Welcome to the Faith Dialogue Podcast with your host, Pastor Ken Baer. Are you ready to swim in the deep end of the Bible pool or climb to the top of Faith Mountain? If so, open the eyes that see, those ears that hear, and a heart that is receptive. Get your cup of coffee and your Bible as we begin. Hi, welcome to our broadcast today. Today we're going to continue our study in the book of Acts, also called the Acts of the Apostle. We'll be in chapter 8, and the title of our message today is Philip and the Ethiopian. Uh, we're continuing our sermon series called Unstoppable in the book of Acts. Um, we've been looking at the history of the early church from Pentecost through the early persecution and soon into the missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul. This is the church that Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against. Uh, while there have been challenges and threats uh, today, uh, the church and today, and I'm talking about the big C church, the church of every sanctified and redeemed believer in Jesus Christ, even today the church continues to grow and to overcome. This is the church that Jesus Christ had, that Jesus Christ is the head in which he has made all of his disciples, kings and priests, all of us ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. Today we're picking up immediately where we, we left off in chapter 8. Uh, we saw persecution break out against the church, and many of the believers, almost all of the believers, fled from Jerusalem, um, but that only facilitated the growth of the early church. Um, and the church grew in Judea, now in Samaria. Today we'll be looking at Philip, also called Philip the Evangelist, so that we don't confuse him with the other Philip, the Apostle. This Philip was one of the initial seven, selected by the Apostles because they were men of character and filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, we know a little bit about two of the seven, Stephen and Philip. Stephen was described as a wonderful man of faith and a powerful witness for the Lord. Stephen was stoned to death by an angry mob after preaching a sermon to the Sanhedrin, the Jewish council. It was then that persecution broke out against the church. Stephen and Philip um, were both named among the seven in chapter, um, in chapter 7. And in now chapter 8, a few verses later, we see Philip preaching in Samaria. And it says, verse 4, it says, Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Now the church had been scattered because the church had been attacked. Stephen had been killed after his speech to the Sanhedrin, and many others were imprisoned. While the apostles stayed in Jerusalem, many of the Christians, along with Philip, fled to the city and other areas of safety. Uh, the church was facing persecution. And I want you to know that it doesn't make you any less of a believer, any less of a devoted follower of Jesus Christ, if you flee or you remain. 
the early church honored many that paid the ultimate price and they lost their life rather than deny the Lord the word martyr that's used today is actually the Greek word that means witness uh, it was witnessing the original Greek but the word took on a, a special meaning because of the death of many faithful Christians that lost their life in early persecution over time the word martyr took on a very unique meaning it was reserved actually for only those that died for the faith not for those that were persecuted but lived to see another day Philip and most of the Greek-speaking Christians the Hellenists apparently escaped persecution at least temporarily by fleeing to Samaria the and areas of Judah Judea fleeing is actually commendable and Jesus actually said that in Matthew 24 he says then those let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains there's also another word that I want to talk about just briefly uh, that took on a special meaning and that word is saint uh, the Greek word is hagios and that Greek word hagios means holy sacred or consecrated when the Apostle Paul wrote to his churches he would address his letters to the Saints uh, the Holy Ones in Philippi and in Galatia it isn't just Paul um, Ananias when he was told to go visit Saul he replied Lord I have heard from many about this man about how much harm he did to the Saints at Jerusalem uh, it's even used in the singular meaning a, a single person a single holy one Paul said greet every saint in Christ Jesus that's Philippians chapter 4 verse 21 however over time the church began to identify certain individuals that had died as saints and the church said that only a prominent bishop or the Pope could canonize or officially declare that that person was a saint that had died and, and gone to heaven so a saint was someone that was in heaven not just a believer or a disciple on earth now while this may sound like just a word change it actually had a big impact on theology as the Bible teaches that when someone receives Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior they're indwelled by the Holy Spirit they become not only a disciple but a a holy one a saint of God they're assured of their salvation and their ultimate home in heaven so let's go back to Philip Philip found himself in Samaria now he went there to, to preach he had been preaching in the synagogues in Jerusalem but then after the persecution he went to Samaria before Jesus ascended into heaven he told his disciples that they would be his witnesses in Judea Jerusalem and Samaria the crowds in Samaria heard the astonishing uh, words of Philip and also the astonishing works. Uh, they were miraculous signs. As I mentioned before, while most of the miraculous signs were performed by the apostles, the twelve, I believe these miraculous signs by Stephen and also by Philip are included so we don't think that only the apostles were able to be used by God in bringing miracles, healings, and even exorcisms that give God all the glory. And these works also confirm the words spoken by God's prophets and teachers. And Philip has a, a revival going on in Samaria. 
uh, which is important to note because the Lord has another assignment for him. It says in verse 12, but when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. You notice the, the pattern here that, that we're seeing in the, in the book of Acts. The gospel is preached. The people believe what is said. They embrace the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, and then they're baptized, both men and women. And we'll come back to this in a, in a few minutes. So let's begin by reading today's message on Philip and the Ethiopian, starting in Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury, and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah, and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away, and who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does this prophet say this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at the scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azores, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. So let's go and... Uh, I'm going to do it again. Okay, and passing through, he preached to all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Let's go through this scripture for today and begin to unpack it. Notice it was an angel uh, that speaks to Philip and says, arise and go towards the south. You know, most of us with a little no knowledge of geography of this area understand that Samaria is to the north of Judea. However, the angel tells him specifically, go along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. I find it interesting because Philip is experiencing great success in Samaria. However, God had a plan, and Philip submits without any hesitation to God's plan. You know, so many of us say that we're willing to go wherever God sends us. And I would like to say that I'm, I'm one of you. I, I would go wherever God sends me. But I'm reminded of a, a song by Scott Wesley Brown. It was last recorded in 1998. I had a chance to meet uh, Scott Wesley Brown uh, years ago, and, and I thought we had much in common. 
Uh, perhaps it was the chorus of this song um, that came from his album Out of Africa. And the chorus goes like this. Please don't send me to Africa. I don't think I've got what it takes. I'm just a man. I'm not a Tarzan. I don't like lions, gorillas, or snakes. I'll serve you here in suburbia in my comfortable middle-class life. But please don't send me out to the bush where the natives are restless at night. You know, and I can, I can say this with a smile on my face because here I am in, in Florida, uh, ministering the gospel of all places in central Florida. You know, Pil Philip had a great ministry going in Samaria. People were coming to the Lord. The Lord was using Philip to heal people, uh, to cast out demons. He was the kind of preacher you have in your church that you hope doesn't go away, that they would stay for a while. But the angel told him that God had a plan and asked him to leave. Notice Luke inserts a comment in this passage. He says, this is desert. Not only isn't it Samaria, but the road headed to Gaza runs through a, a desert. So Philip heads off down the road into the desert and comes upon a man in a, in a chariot. We're told that the man in the chariot is a man of Ethiopia and that he was a eunuch of great authority under Candace, Candace the queen of the Ethiopia. Now, this area called Ethiopia was largely, was likely a, a very large nation just south of Egypt and could have included at the time all of the Sudan, present uh, country of Ethiopia, Chad, and much of the Congo. Legend has it, and this is just legend, but legend has it that Alexander the Great, over 200 years earlier, had decided not to extend his conquest south of Egypt because he feared the Ethiopians, as well as he didn't want to possibly lose a battle or two to a woman. Uh, the word Candace is actually a, a title rather than a proper name. The actual word is Candic, but it's been translated as Candace. Just like the word Pharaoh or Caesar, it doesn't refer to an individual person, but it refers to a role. It could be used to refer to a, a number of people. In this case, Ethiopia, Ethiopian queens, as Ethiopia had a history of having women at the very top, a number of powerful Kandeks, female queens of Ethiopia. In any case, notice that Philip is being called to witness to a single individual, an Ethiopian eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians. The story is illustrating that God is, is interested in the individual, you know, so often we think in terms of, of churches and ministries and, and organization, but God is interested in individuals, people like you and me. Jesus said, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God when one sinner, one sinner repents. This man is of great authority. You know, it brings to mind the story of Joseph, who was a slave but he was second only to the pharaoh of Egypt. And this, this Ethiopian uh, was a eunuch. Now some experts uh, say that it was not unusual for a high-ranking servant of a king or queen uh, to be a, a eunuch, especially since he was serving a queen. Again, the story of Daniel comes to mind. Again, uh, a, a servant a slave and a eunuch in Babylon that became a man of great authority under Nebuchadnezzar. Note that this 
Ethiopian owned his own copy, likely a scroll of the book of Isaiah. Now, a personal copy would be, would be very rare and likely expensive, suggesting both the man's wealth as well as his commitment to learn and to grow, particularly since he was returning from Jerusalem. Let's continue. It says, Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake the chariot. So Philip ran to him, heard him reading the prophet Isaiah, and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come in and sit with him. You know, here's a lesson we can learn from the account of Philip. When prompted by the Holy Spirit, or an angel, or you have an inner feeling, and that feeling aligns with Scripture, it's something that God is possibly telling you, or maybe it's even an answer to, to a prayer that you've been praying, the follower of Christ needs to respond immediately. And we respond when prompted in faith. We don't have any certainty of any particular outcome, but we're trusting that God has a plan and he's leading us. In the case of witnessing to somebody, we, we, we are sharing the gospel with others, we trust that God has gone before us, that he has prepared the individual that we're going to be talking to to be receptive. This, this, um, this Ethiopian eunuch was coming from worship at the temple in Jerusalem, and he's reading the prophet Isaiah. He's primed. And, and God nudges Philip and says, there he is, go close the deal. You know, Philip goes over to the chariot and asks a, a simple question. Do you understand what you are reading? That, that's a great question. And it's not only a neutral question, uh, and it's not, uh, it's not offensive, and it's actually quite subtle, but it's key. A key that will open the door so that Philip can best explain the scriptures that the man is reading. And this passage of Isaiah, by the way, that the Ethiopian man was reading is, is prophecy. Um, remember that Philip is called Philip the Evangelist. You know, I've met some evangelists. Uh, did you know that many evangelists are relying more and more on teaching prophecy? You know, seriously, you would think that an evangelist would have his pat four or five um, uh, four or five verses that talk about, about Jesus. Uh, they would be quoting things like John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And, and they'll quote Romans 10.9, that if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Uh, those two verses, by the way, are great verses to, to memorize yourself. But I'm told that many evangelists are more and more they're using prophecy. Uh, these, uh, these evangelists understand that when they talk about prophecy, they reveal the presence of God. They're actually telling, prophecy actually tells us the news before it happens. According to the Encyclopedia of Biblical Prophecy, uh, over 25%, in fact 26.8%, of the entire Bible is, is prophecy. Only God has the ability to predict with 100% accuracy events that are still in the future. Bible prophecy creates an open door to people that you're talking to, uh, to be able to explain that God, the one true God, is the only one that is 
omnipotent. That means he's all-powerful. This one true God is the only one that is omniscient, meaning that he, he knows all things. And this one true God is omnipresent, meaning that is all together everywhere, all the time. So Philip climbs up into this chariot, and he takes a look at the place where uh, this Ethiopian is reading. And what he re was reading was this. He was led to the sheep like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before the shearer. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare this generation? For his life is taken from the earth. See, the Ethiopian was reading this amazing and specific prophecy out of Isaiah 53. And Isaiah 53 describes the sacrificial sin-bearing work of the Messiah that was to come. Isaiah wrote this prophecy 800 years before Jesus. Yet it speaks accurately of Jesus before Pontius Pilate. The Messiah would also be like a sheep sled to the slaughter. And then the Ethiopian says, I ask you, of whom does this prophet say? Of, of himself or some other man. So Philip begins his witness at this scripture. This is another great, uh, another great lesson for us to learn. Answer the questions that you are asked. And be helpful. Walk through every open door. Our scripture today continues and it says that Philip preached Jesus to him. Philip, no doubt, explained that it was Jesus that the prophet was talking about. Jesus was like a lamb. And just like a lamb was sacrificed, Jesus died for our sins. Jesus remained silent before Pilate, and he did that for us, for our sin, for, for our salvation. You know, once we, we come to God, once, we, once we're there, once we understand fully our, our relationship with God, we have the opportunity to focus on what we can do for God how we can also share the gospel, how we can be a witness um, by, living a, by living a holy life. But for evangelists and for pastors, when we're witnessing to others, we always want to focus on what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. You see, salvation is a, is a gift. We don't work for that gift. It's not a wage. It's nothing that can be earned. So as we read this account of Philip and the Ethiopian, we're obviously reading a, a Reader's Digest version because it's obviously condensed. In just a matter of, of a couple verses, um, after meeting this Ethiopian eunuch, we read, Now they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? You know, Philip talked with the Ethiopian and was careful to answer all of his questions. And then to fully explain who Jesus is, the fact of his death and his resurrection, the saving power of believing in the name of Jesus Christ. We see here because of the question from the Ethiopian, if he should be baptized, that Philip also talked about baptism. Just as Peter talked about baptism in his very first sermon on Pentecost. The Ethiopian did in fact believe and that he wanted to be baptized to declare his belief. Philip follows up with a, a confirming question. And you see, there's, there's no reason to, to rush into baptism for a new believer unless the, person is, unless the person truly believes. Baptism doesn't save us. Baptism doesn't wash away our sins. 
it's given as an outward sign of what God has already done on the inside. So Philip said to the Ethiopian, he says, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And the Ethiopian uh, man answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So Philip commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Notice that the answer that the Ethiopian gave is the answer that every pastor is listening for when you ask somebody about baptism. Belief is always, always in Jesus Christ and his saving work as the Son of God. We don't baptize people because they are of a certain age. We don't baptize people because they want to join a church. We don't baptize people because they want their sins forgiven or they want to go to heaven. Baptism is a public profession of faith and discipleship. We're baptized today because we're commanded by Jesus to be baptized. The church is also commanded to go and make disciples and to baptize them. You know, another quick note, both Philip and the Ethiopian went down into the water, meaning that Philip baptizedo, he immersed the Ethiopian man under the water. The last few verses in our passage today are fantastic. They're, they're utterly fantastic. Let me read them for you. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Can you imagine this? Philip and the Ethiopian go into the water. Philip baptizes him. They both come out of the water, and then suddenly the Lord catches Philip away. Swoosh! The Lord caught Philip away. Philip disappears, vanishes from the Ethiopian sight. Rather than bothering the Ethiopian, this small sign or miracle simply reaffirms his belief in the gospel. So he goes away, goes his way rejoicing. While this is an amazing and utterly fantastic um, scene, it's really not unprecedented. If you remember, a similar thing happened in John chapter 6, when Jesus got into the boat after he walked on the water. John chapter 6 says, immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. I believe this catching away will also happen to every believer. When Jesus comes in the sky and says, come up here. And the apostle says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. Our text ends with these words today. But Philip was found at Azortus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Now, Azortus is a city along the Mediterranean coast. We don't know much about it except that it was one of the principal cities of the Philistines at that time. It was probably very Greek at this time. Philip is called an evangelist later in Acts 21, 8, and it's in Caesarea that this is mentioned. Likely this reference of Caesarea that here identifies the fact was known to Dr. Luke when he wrote um, this part of the book of Acts. One closing tidbit. Coptic Christians, part of the Eastern Orthodox branch of Christianity, um, greatly persecuted group in Egypt today, trace their spiritual heritage 
back to this Ethiopian eunuch and also to the Apostle Mark. Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you, Lord, for this message today. You've been listening to Faith Dialogue with Pastor Ken Baer, recorded live at Celebrate Seniors, a ministry of Faith Dialogue. You can listen to or watch all of the recordings at Faith Dialogue by going to www.faithdialogue.org.